Let this session of Congress be known as a session which did more for civil rights than the last hundred sessions combined. That was said by Lyndon B. Johnson. Hello, listeners, and welcome back. This is Turning Tables of History with Annika Doheny. This is episode three, and today we will be talking about the signing of the Civil Rights Act. So the Civil Rights Act was signed in 1964, which ended all segregation in all public places nationwide, and it banned all employee discrimination. Now, when I say discrimination, this means race, uh, skin color, gender, um, and national origin. This act is considered the most recognized legislative achievements involving in the civil movement to date. When John F. Kennedy was elected as president, he showed a lot of interest in a new anti-discrimination cause. But once violent protests started up, particularly in the South, President Kennedy decided it was time to put an end to discrimination once and for all. In June of 1963, he proposed the most thorough civil rights legislation to date, and I quote, The United States will not be fully free until, until all of its citizens are free. Just as the cause was starting to take off, President Kennedy was assassinated in November in Dallas, Texas. President Lyndon B. Johnson took his spot and took serious action in continuing the progress. Johnson created a bill that was brought to the House, and the debate started on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives. And many Southerners said that the bill would be unconstitutional by restricting the rights of individual liberties and the rights to the state's governments. Virginia segregationists tried to sabotage the bill by introducing a bill to ban women employment discrimination. It was passed and the House approved it with a vote of 290 to 130. The bill then moved to the U.S. Senate. There, Southern and border state Democrats staged a 75-day filibuster to go against it. This was among the longest ones in U.S. states history. During this time, many people spoke for hours on end. One of these people was Senator Robert Byrd of West Virginia. He was a former Ku Klux Klan member, and he spoke for 14 hours straight. That is insane. That's how many hours normal people are almost awake for. Eventually, with the help of under-the-desk horse trading, the bill obtained the two-third vote that was needed in order to end the debate. One of the votes came from a very sick Californian senator named Claire Engel. He was so sick that he wasn't able to speak, so he gave his vote by pointing to his eye as a sign of A. After ending the debate, the bill was passed with a Senate vote of 73 to 27. It was signed by President Johnson on July 2nd of 1964. Fun fact, President Johnson signed the act with over 75 pens, which he later handed out to congressional supporters of the bill, such as Martin Luther King Jr., Thanks to the Civil Rights Act of 1964, segregation based on race, religion, or national origin was banned in all public places and people could not be denied service based solely on the color of their skin. Adding to this, the act denied discrimination programs access to federal funds which was authorized by the Department of Education. Basically what this means is that if there is a um, organization that is against or for discrimination, they cannot use federal funds to help further their organization financially. Later on, the Civil Rights Act was extended to include disabled, the elderly, and women to participate in athletics. It also paved many paths to advocate for the Voting Rights Act and the Fair Housing Act. The Civil Rights Act may have been an amazing achievement, but there was a lot of events that happened before it. 
So to start off, heading out of the Civil War, three amendments were passed, the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th. The 13th was the abolishment of slavery. The 14th was to grant citizenship for all previously enslaved people. And the 15th was to give all men the right to vote regardless of their race. Now, keep in mind, women couldn't vote still. Regardless of these, the southern states still attempted to create loopholes around these in order to still discriminate. Like I mentioned in my previous episode on the event of Barbara Johns walking out, Jim Crow laws were a huge thing that oppressed the rights of African Americans. Furthermore, poll tax and literacy tests were used to prevent certain people from voting. For decades after the start of the Reconstruction, there was never a single mention of a Civil Rights Act. Eventually, in 1957, the U.S. Congress established a civil rights section of the Justice Department in hand with a Commission on Civil Rights. These were put in place to investigate discriminatory conditions. So I take it that you guys listening are in the same boat as me. What exactly does the Civil Rights Act of 1964 cover? And I'm assuming that you don't want to read a nearly 50-page document listing every single thing that it covers. So don't worry, I did it for you. And to be honest, not only was it a little boring to read, I didn't understand half the stuff that is in it. So I'll sum up the basics for you guys that directly relates to racial discrimination. The first section of the act is titled Unlawful Employment Practices. To sum it up for you, an employer shall not refuse to hire or segregate or classify a person based solely on the individual's race, color, sex, national origin, or religion. The next major section is entitled Enforcement Provisions. This section basically means that if an industry is caught breaking any of these laws, they will be held accountable for their actions. So not only is it against the law to discriminate in the workplace, it is also protected and punishable by law. Furthermore, if an employee starts to discriminate in the workplace, it will be taken seriously, and if needed, an investigation will be conducted within 30 days of the date that the report was made. This topic also bleeds into the next section titled Actions, Civil Actions by the Attorney General, which basically is the same thing that, you know, an attorney general will partake in an investigation um, to investigate the sort of discrimination that occurred. So the next section that I thought was very interesting is titled Effect on State Laws. And I was honestly very surprised to see that this section was only like a paragraph long, considering that every other section was nearly a few pages long. And the reason for this is it basically says that no state laws um, will be affected by this act, meaning that state laws cannot permit or protect the act of discrimination in a working facility. And like I said a little bit ago, all reports would be investigated. And this leads into another section titled investigations. This section mainly just lists the different paths that the investigation could go based on who is going to be involved. And what I mean by that is that certain officials would be involved and would investigate in different ways based on the severity of the discrimination that was reported. And in most cases, it would be local government and commissions looking at evidence, and facilities could also be posted with a notice or a penalty. And if the uh, facility violates the notice or the penalty, they can be punished with a fine of $100 for every separate offense. Okay, not going to lie to you, it took me almost an hour to read and analyze this document. It took up 
over three-fourths of my entire research for this episode. But it was definitely worth it because I learned a lot, and I hope that you did too. This is going to sum up this episode of Turning Tables of History. This was a signing of the Civil Rights Act, and stay tuned, because next week I will be posting another video that will cover the pneumonositis pneumonia report. Thank you so much for listening. 